everybody. Welcome to the Thrive Life Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Alexander. We got a great show coming for you today. Today, we are talking about the HOMAD lifestyle. So stay tuned to find out what that is and how you can become a HOMAD just like me. All right, everybody, welcome, like I said, to the Thrive Life Podcast. I am your host, Roar Alexander, here at the Thrive Life Studios in Bangkok, Thailand. But who knows for how much longer I'm thinking of actually moving to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia this year. Not saying it's for sure, just saying it might happen. I'm getting that little bug. Um, But most of you know, uh, if you listen to the show regularly, that I do have a five-story gym house in Bangkok, Thailand, that I'm not looking to give up anytime too soon. So uh, we got to figure that out. So, oh my goodness, what have I been up to lately? Well, I just got back from the Philippines. I was in Manila, Philippines doing some uh, professional fitness courses there, certifying some trainers. It's always a great country. Uh, What I like about the Philippines specifically when it comes to fitness is it's um, quite ahead of many countries in Asia, mostly because of the American influence. It's a very Americanized country um, and fitness tends to be a little bit... um, you know, it's, 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 it's been there longer and they have much more influence of that Western culture than uh, other places that uh, in Asia that are significantly behind. Places like Myanmar, you know, or they used to be called Burma. You know, really, they only got the Internet a few years ago. I mean, three or four years ago, a SIM card there was about a thousand U.S. dollars. Now you can get a SIM card for five dollars. So things are changing a lot in Asia. But Philippines is always a great place to go. Um, and yeah, you know, I travel a lot. My lifestyle is traveling. And that's one of the things that, you know, that brought me to the HOMAD lifestyle. That's why I kind of think of myself. And, you know, so what, what is the HOMAD lifestyle? Well, let's talk about the other two lifestyles first. So the first kind you have is the person who gets locked into their mortgage. They go and they get their mortgage. You know, it's a maybe 30, 40% of their, you know, monthly salary. They have a car payment. That car payment costs a lot. So, like, I have a friend, you know, and, and I was talking to Cam. I'm sure this is many friends, but this is the one I know pretty well. You know, she pays about $1,800 per month. Um, towards her uh, mortgage, and that's just her mortgage alone for her condo. On average, she takes home about $3,000, and $1,800 of that goes to mortgage. And then, of course, there's car payments. I don't know what the car payments are, but let's just say let's just say this is your average person. So we'll say that is about 60% of the pay goes towards the mortgage. Maybe the car bill is another $200, and then you got your uh, whatever, else, other, whatever else bills you got. The fact is... You, for the most part, are pretty much, you're a homeowner and you are home locked. So let's just call it that. That means that you get your, you know, your two weeks or your three weeks vacation per year. You work five days a week. You get your two days off whenever they may be. Maybe it's weekends if you're a nine to fiver. Uh, Maybe if you're in the service industry, customer service, you know, maybe it's a, a Tuesday and a Sunday, things like that. But for the most part, you are locked into your home. You just can't go and leave and travel wherever you want to go. Um, you know, and this, could, this doesn't mean you have to be a homeowner. Maybe you're just pl- getting a place, you know, where your rent's fairly high. For instance, when I lived in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, as you know, is one of the world's most expensive places for real estate in the world. A one-room studio apartment was, you know, about $1,000 a month. You could find them for about eight fifty. Um, but, you know, the wages in Vancouver do not match it. For instance, in Australia, 
roughly the same prices, but their minimum wage is somewhere between what was 14, 15, 18 dollars an hour. I can't remember. And the Australian dollar and the Canadian dollar, um, basically the entire country is the exact same thing, which is why I've never wanted to go to Australia. Uh, same. Um, you know, government system, same healthcare system. The dollar is within a penny of each other. Uh, everything's the same except for Australia's hot. So I've never had an interest in going there. But the fact is, when I was living in Vancouver, the minimum wage was only about $9 an hour in the most expensive place in the world to live. Where in Australia, let's say it's the same thing. Let's say your studio's apartment's $1,000 a month, but the minimum wage there is $18 an hour. Really big difference. So, I was living in Vancouver, $1,000 a month studio apartment. Studio just means one room and a bathroom, $1,000 a month. Averaging, you know, the pays, and like I said, in Vancouver were very low. So uh, even I was making, let's say, $2,000 a month working in retail at the time, doing a little bit of training here and there. Uh, even at even at twenty five hundred three thousand dollars a month, you're going to have a rough go in Vancouver. But I never got up to $3,000. I was always around the $2,000. So... Um, yeah, so that was, you know, that, that's just very expensive place. So I was pretty much locked in. I mean, I, I moved to Vancouver, you know, when I told everybody I was going there, I was going there because I wanted to snowboard and I wanted to scuba dive in the same day. That's what we kind of joke about. Yeah, I want to be able to, you know, scuba dive and, and snowboard in the same day. I only went out snowboarding, I think, three times ever because snowboarding, you know, in Whistler or anything, it was, it was over $100 a day. So the pricing uh, is just so expensive. So the whole time I was in Vancouver, I didn't really do anything except pay an expensive amount of rent and work. Worked a lot. I mean, I worked a lot there. So that's pretty much the situation that most people are in. Probably 95% of the people listening to this, you know, uh, are in that situation or something fairly close to that where a significant amount of your pay goes towards your house and your car and all those other monthly payments that you get. Then you got the guys on the other side who call themselves the nomad lifestyle. And personally, I hate that term, the nomad. It's, to me, it sounds so lame, but whatever. They call themselves nomad entrepreneurs, nomad lifestyle. They're the ones that run around priding themselves that, you know, they can travel anywhere they want. They have, you know, all, the, all their possessions basically are in a backpack and maybe they have something in storage back home. But for the most part, they're just like, I live in a backpack and I can travel all around the world. So, yeah, what's great about that, obviously, is you can. You can travel all around the world and nomads for the most part, lots of resources, where they can stay, you know, they tend to stay in cheaper hotels, <coughs> excuse me, cheaper hotels for the most part, um, especially if you're going through Southeast Asia, you can get very cheap places. All right, just had to add some water there. You know, you can get uh, lots of places, whether you're in Vietnam or Thailand or Bali, anyways, for about $20 a night. Um, and then in places like, you know, like in Thailand and well, mostly Southeast Asia, you can find decent places to rent for $300 a month. So, the nomad lifestyle is really just not having anywhere you have to be. You just travel around. A lot of them either save money from their jobs and they just travel around. Or many of them now, the digital nomads as they call themselves, they have the you know online businesses, whether it's drop shipping stores or just different sorts of e-commerce stores or businesses set up where most of their work is on a laptop. And... You know, one of the big things they pride themselves on is not owning anything. And it's kind of part of this new, though, I don't want to even say new because that's giving it credit because it's not new. It's part of this 
gaining popularity minimalistic movement. And I find that really funny because I've been minimalistic forever. I really, I'm always ahead of the trend. I just, but the reason nobody knows is because I never talk about it because I don't know it's a thing. I never know that things are a thing until somebody else starts talking about them. Then I go, oh, I, I didn't realize I was doing this thing. So give you a quick background of my story. I lived in near Toronto, and then a few years, a number of years ago, right before I turned 30, I wanted to, my goal was to live in Vancouver. So I moved out to Vancouver, and I pretty much had, um, I shipped my Pontiac Grand Am completely stocked with stuff to Vancouver. So I arrived there with all my clothes, suitcases, the car was packed. You can't do that anymore, I guess. But at the time, I shipped it on a train, actually, because um, it wasn't even room for me to drive it. And to be honest, it's a really long drive. So I shipped it there, and I lived in Vancouver for a number of years. I, I kept buying stuff and buying stuff, you know, couches and everything like that, and filling my apartments. Because um, unlike in, in Southeast Asia, where most apartments come fully furnished, you get nothing furnished there. So I ended up accumulating quite a bit of stuff. And, you know, we would move quite often, um, you know, from apartment to apartment. Because Vancouver, you know, you do, you tend to move about once every one or two years. It's kind of annoying, but it's just kind of the way it is. You're always kind of searching for that slightly better deal. And, you know, you have to go rent a moving truck, a U-Haul. Well, over time, of course, that got quite tiring. So I ended up going back to Toronto for uh, just a few months, actually. Um, and I ended up just being able to cut everything down. I cut everything down to fit my Jeep Grand Cherokee. I mean, that thing was packed. So I had my packed Grand Cherokee, and I drove that across the country. Um, I mean, there was barely room to sit. Extremely uncomfortable drive. So drive across the country. Stay in Toronto. I, I, can't, I, honestly, I can't remember all the timelines, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, I end up moving back to Vancouver. So I think it was only near Toronto for about three months. I go back to Vancouver. And uh, this time in the car is a lot less stuff. So there's a lot less stuff this time. Still the pretty full Jeep Grand Cherokee. Get back in there, had some stuff in storage, and I end up getting another apartment. Um, but this time I'm a little more conscientious about not buying too much, but still bought some stuff. But th this is the big takeaways, nothing that you really want to get emotionally attached to. So I didn't buy anything I loved. I just kind of went and bought the cheap furniture, whatever, Ikea, stuff that I could either sell after or stuff that I would you know, that wasn't too passionate about. I didn't really care. Just long story short, I didn't really care. I could, it could burn down. It doesn't matter to me. So... I'm in Vancouver again for um, a little while, and then I go decide I'm going to move to Hong Kong. So I drive again back to Toronto because that's where all my family is. Because I want to store my Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, up at the uh, up at my mom's basically farm. And this time coming back, the Jeep is only maybe two-thirds full. So much easier trip. I mean, the passenger seat was pretty much empty. So the first time I drove there, I mean, that thing was stock solid. Um, the first time I went from Toronto to Vancouver, or sorry, Vancouver to Toronto. The second time, Vancouver to Toronto, it was only about two-thirds full. So a lot more space. I could actually put my seat back. So I had cut myself down to about two-thirds of a Jeep. Anyways get to Ontario. I'm there for a little while then because I'm waiting for my trip to uh, move to um, Hong Kong. So 
get to Hong Kong, and long story short, I managed to cut my life down at this point to two suitcases. So I still have a little bit of stuff in storage in Ontario right now, but to be honest, it's stuff I'm going to go and get rid of. Um, the reason why I can't even remember what it is, I, I can't remember what it is. Uh, so I know there's stuff there. I know I have DVDs, a lot of DVDs in there, so i got to figure out what to do with that because nobody uses DVDs anymore. Um, lots of CDs, so I think what I have to do is I have to burn those onto... Um, onto my computer i have like the every rolling stone cd that ever came out you know tons of uh, the david and not david boy the pink floyd box set lots and lots of music so gotta go get that handled but anyways um so what i call myself now now that i'm in bangkok and i have this five-story house but i haven't bought any furniture that i again that i'm passionate about now here's the other thing too one of the important things that is the home ad lifestyle, that's what I call it, is that mix of you have a home because really you do want a home. I mean, nomads, I don't care what they say. It's nice to own some stuff and have a place to call your own. It really is. I can go buy an Alikio Olympic lifting bar now if I want. I can buy a few nice pieces of art, things that I like, and I can hang them up inside my house. And it may be stuff that I will actually take if I move. Say I go to Kuala Lumpur, there is a few things that I may take. But the secret to it is getting a place that I don't, it doesn't tie me down. This entire house here is only $400 a month. So I have a $400 a month place that I live in, five-story house. Now, I have options. I could rent out this house to another personal trainer, fitness trainer, and say, listen, um, and this is kind of what I'm thinking of doing is saying, listen, you take the place and you're probably going to charge six or $700 a month, so more than I pay. Sorry, there's an ambulance you can hear out there. Like I said, when you're in the middle of a big city like this, you do not get silence. It's, it's impossible. This is about as much as I'm going to get till I get my new microphone set up. But anyway, um, probably find somebody to rent this space so I'll sublet the gym house for a little while. The other option, of course, is just keeping it, too. I might just end up keeping this house because it has a lot of stuff I like, and I really love this house. And for $400 a month, that's just the price of most people's just their car payment insurance. So I can keep my entire house, and I can still get a condo at Kuala Lumpur. My goal eventually is to have, you know, my home base. So really what it is is you have a home base, but you can still afford to travel and go everywhere. So that's why it's like the home nomad lifestyle. So I still can go anywhere I want and I don't have to worry about mortgages and car insurance and everything like that. So I'm, uh, you know, I, my goal would be to have the house probably here and then have my condo in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, if I decide to go there or wherever it is I decide to go. And I want to spend summers you know, I'm not talking this year or next year, but my goal, long-term goal, is to spend June, July, and August, or at least July and August, in Vancouver. Because it's really, it's the only two or three nice months there are there. The rest of it's rain. It's a terrible place, really. Um, but it's beautiful in the summer. So, to be able to, um, you know, so go there. So, it's that middle ground between where, you know, I have the freedom and ability to travel anywhere I want, pretty much as often as I want. I can own more than just having a backpack, but at the same time, you know, I still, I, I have my house, I have a home, I have a, uh, you know, a place where I have my TV, I can have my stereo, and I can set it up for all my work. So it's really the best of both worlds, because to be honest, I don't think I would want to 
be bopping around with just nothing but a backpack. I mean, the fact is, you look at most nomads, and, you know, they tend to be in their 20s. You won't find many people over their 20s. And at that point, I mean, who really gives a crap? Most of them are just getting drunk and sleeping in ditches anyway and partying at full moon parties. So, um, kind of, if you ask me, it's kind of a lame lifestyle, but it just could be because I'm older. Um, and what, what they, the, the point that I think they seem to be missing is, you know, they brag and brag and brag about how they get these amazing places for super cheap. Well, then just keep one. Find one you really like if it's so amazing and, and sign, like, a, a lease on it and set yourself up and go buy some nice stuff. Like, who wants to keep bopping around forever? I mean, that's got to be annoying. But at the same time, make sure that the price is so inexpensive that you can actually still travel around and do everything you want to do and it really doesn't even phase you like i could literally keep this place keep paying my rent on it every single month and i always have a place to come back to and it's completely mine and i can you know i can store my stuff here and i can do whatever i want so having that ability to have a home but at the same time being able to travel and being able to live kind of that free lifestyle where you can go and do whatever you want um, and then, you, obviously, it's a great place, too. I mean, Southeast Asia, period. This house could be in, you know, it could be in Bali. It could be in Vietnam. There's a number of places you can get uh, places, a house like this, for only a few hundred dollars. I mean, uh, this one is significantly large for the price I pay. But, I mean, I know in Phuket and different areas, you can get some really nice two-bedroom bungalows for $500 a month. So, Really, what comes down to, you know, I, I think in life, you, you kind of want to find that middle ground. I mean, yes, you, you want to have a home. You want to have a place that's comfortable where you have your own bed. You're not constantly sleeping in other people's beds. And if you see a, a nice picture you want to buy or maybe some, something where it's larger than the size of, say, a wallet, and you say, boy, I would love somewhere to have that, you have the place, a place where you can have your TV and you got your internet hooked up and you got everything you want. But... At the same time, definitely not being stuck in that, you know, nine to five, two weeks of holiday a year, weekend job. I think that's, I think that's a terrible way to go. I guess if I had to pick one or the other, I would definitely lean towards the nomad side. But I really think, you know, I think the smarter ones will see, and maybe they will over time. Like I said, it's still a, it's still a fairly young thing for the most part, this whole backpacking sort of nomad digital e-commerce culture so i think you'll see a lot of them as they get older kind of coming into the homad lifestyle which is where they'll want a place where they can settle down they'll want a place that they can call theirs where they can actually put start putting things back that they love with their life they can order themselves whatever it is they want some works of art they can have a nice kitchen they can have a bedroom they can have you know the 50 inch tv if that's what they want um, but at the same time, they could still travel around and then you could sublease or if you find one even cheap enough, you could just keep it empty. That's pretty much what I'm going to do. And then I know that anytime I want, I can come back and I have this great gym here. Another one is another option, of course, is renting it to somebody as a business. So they actually wouldn't live here. But I mean, it's really it's it's a three there's three floor gym that'll be just sitting empty that might as well get used. So you could, you know, rent somebody, you just give them the key and say, okay, you're going to pay me X amount of rent per month and you have your own private gym. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely kind of like the gym, that's the gym Airbnb, I suppose. I don't think anybody else in the world uh, does gym Airbnb, but I, I might be the first one. Maybe I'm onto a new trend.
So, anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you really think about, you know, what can you do to find, you know, to if you're stuck in that first spot, you know, where, where you're just paying everything just to own, and you really are trapped by your stuff. They'd say the things you own own you, and that is that can be true. If you own too much, and if you get too connected to things, they can own you. Especially if you're living outside of your means or just within your means. So, I really would suggest you know a good starting point is really getting off anything that you have to pay monthly. Just buy things outright and see what you can do to just cut those bills down. And then ask yourself, you know, if you really need to live in a place as expensive as you are, is there somewhere else you could go? So I think the first thing you want to do is figure out a way that you could really significantly loosen up. Even if it's just like, maybe it's, maybe it's just, maybe you just, instead of two weeks of vacation a year, maybe you could figure out a way you could do four or just something that you could go and see more because I think traveling really really is important Um, and then for the nomads out there ask yourself if you are actually truly happy just not owning anything and never having anywhere to call a house just not having any of the normalcy always having to look for you know strong wi-fi always having to get the getting ripped off by different landlords people's everywhere always having to figure out you know i gotta buy a motorbike or i gotta figure out a way to get around i mean that that's got to be a hassle too and then all these visa situations all the time and you know also ask yourself too when you're traveling uh, my friend david actually who's an assistant instructor with uh, my thrive academy he actually had said to me once and it's very true that while he likes to travel he doesn't want to travel just because he can and i find that a lot of nomads do that they travel to places they don't even really care to see just because they can or it was really cheap i went to x and x city because it was just dirt cheap i didn't even want to see there but I just went. So his philosophy is very much like mine. Yeah, there's a lot of places I can go, but if I don't want to go there, I'm not going to go there just for the sake of traveling. So ask yourself if you're traveling a lot just for the sake of traveling or if you're actually enjoying your traveling and if you maybe would enjoy having a little place to call home where you could still do most of your traveling but still have a home. So I think that's what you want to do. Have a place you can call home for a long time, but still be able to do most of your traveling. Anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode on the Homad Lifestyle and got you thinking. Tell me, if you can, about your lifestyle and if anything in here would help. Um, If you're a nomad, tell me what is so amazing about never owning anything and not having anything. And if you're a homeowner who doesn't like to travel or do anything, tell me what is so amazing about never seeing the world. So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will be coming at you again soon with some more great episodes. Again, you can follow me on the Thrive Life Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, and go to www.roaralexander.com for my blogs. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.